peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. Welcome back to another episode of the Softly Performance Podcast. I am Brooke West. I am Softly's in-house registered dietitian nutritionist. And I'm really excited today because I have Clarissa back with us. She's an integrative and functional medicine health coach. And I got to ditch the boys again, so that's always a plus. But we did an episode. If you have not listened, I would recommend you go back and listen to the first part where we talked about what is integrative and functional medicine. We talked about a lot of gut health issues, um, intestinal permeability. We talked about women's health, hormone balance, contraceptives. It was a really fun episode. So I'm really excited that you're back here today. So welcome. Thanks, Brooke. It's good to be back. Um, And we got some questions. We got a lot of really good questions. And we were going to dive more into specifics, a lot surrounding hormonal imbalance in both men and women, and some action points for what you can do and some recommendations even for testing or kind of how that works, taking a deep dive into some of these topics. Let's get started. So the first question that I got, I thought was really good. What are some things for men that cause hormonal imbalance? Um, we, we talked a lot about with women and contraceptives and, and certain stresses there, but what does that look like for men? So, you know, I always, as you know, like to go back to the basics, like always start really simply. So what are we eating? What are we breathing? What are we drinking? How are we sleeping? All these things affect our hormones. When you talk about, you know, our military population in general, you're looking at toxicity. What kind of toxins, heavy metals, what's in the body? So where do a lot of those heavy metals come from? Is it being around ammunition? Ammunition, being overseas, burn pits, being, you know, the soil is completely contaminated overseas. They're just burying, burying. They don't have the laws and the regulations, right, that we do. So their system is constantly being bombarded. So you know, if you're active duty, the thing is, okay, what can I be doing on a day-to-day basis to help my body naturally be detoxifying these things out of my system, right? And if you become inactive because of illness or an injury, making sure that you're running the proper test to make sure, okay, what's stored in my body? What do I need to be addressing? And make sure we're moving it out of my body so my system works appropriately. What would be some signs that you did have heavy metal exposure Oh, gosh. I mean, they range across the board, you know, hair loss, brain fog, memory loss. Mm. It's simple things, Mm -hmm. right? Anytime anything that is supposed to naturally be working in the body and stops, it's a a big signal, right? Because it's supposed to work. So we see a lot of men who are like banging their head up the wall against the wall, right? I have low sex drive. I don't have interest in the things I used to have interest in. I have fatigue, right? And we talked about this last time, right? Start simple. Start in the gut, clean that up, and then keep moving through the body system and keep cleaning it up and cleaning it out. Mm -hmm. I thought the uh, my favorite question about Men and th- these episodes we're doing was the vasectomy. How does well, we vasectomy? Did, well, we brought up, you know, that there's other options for you and your partner as a couple to figure out for contraceptives. And so the men were like, well, I've, I've thought about this. Like, what is the effects of, on the male body and how does a vasectomy affect the hormones or is there any? So this is great because they're not going to like the answer. Oh, no. (laughs) So the answer is the testicles are responsible for producing testosterone. Right. Right. Your testicles don't get touched in the procedure. Okay. So there is no effect. Oh, I do. Well, then this is a great answer. Yeah, Well, maybe to me as a woman who doesn't (laughs) doesn't need to undergo this procedure personally. Yeah. Yeah. So testosterone is absorbed by the blood vessels. And then it's transported throughout the body by the circulatory system. And the hormones produced by the testicles also help sperm development. We don't want that, right? Right. (laughs) And so a vasectomy, it doesn't change the production. Because it's really just, isn't it just kind of for, you know, non-medical terms, Mm -hmm. you're snipping the pipeline so that the sperm isn't leaving the testicles. Yeah. 
Okay. It's super simple. Um, I've spoken with many men who've had the procedure. I was speaking with one of our practitioners at Carolina Total Wellness, Blair, and um, she was saying there's a local guy in Raleigh, and his name is Dr. Monteith. He's with Gentle Touch Vasectomy. Oh, that's great. <laughs> what a great name. And that there were three people she knew, three men at the same time that were going to do their vasectomies. And two like went. A bro pack? It's a bro pack. <laughs> um, two went to one place, one went to him. And the other ones were fine. I mean, it's not a big procedure. Isn't it? I mean, you're awake for it. Yeah. I thought my friend told me. He was fine. In and out of the office in about an hour. And that's with your intake and everything. And uh, two were, you know, fine. There was a little bit of discomfort, but nothing major. But the other dude that went to gentle touch vasectomy, nothing. He felt nothing. Like, this was a great experience. And I don't know a lot about this doc in particular, aside from what Blair had told me. So I need to actually, I, I want to research him a little more, was that he was doing like tubal little litigation and other really evasive things on women. And he kept thinking, "There's this is ridiculous, right? And this is a male's perspective watching women go through this, thinking mm -hmm. there's this this is so unnecessary, right, for what in terms of trying to use it as birth control, right? right? Like the easier, softer way is a vasectomy. And so he turned his whole practice into uh, this art of vasectomy. And he has the gentle touch on the testicles. He has the gentle touch, great. fellas. He's your man. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So um, one of the other questions we got was, what are other things that can cause hormonal imbalance in women other than, you know, manipulating our hormones with synthetic hormonal birth control pills? Are there things that also influence our sex hormones, basically, to throw them off the natural balance? Absolutely. And a lot of it we talked about last episode is, you know, your gut health, the intestinal permeability, inflammation in the body. And one of the things that the birth control does do that is... There's so many negatives, but it shuts down the ability for the brain to communicate with the ovaries. So, like, that's a big deal. Uh, I'm assuming that's probably why there's this really rough rebound for some yeah. rougher than most, yeah. it seems like. Absolutely. But. So that's a big deal. And then, again, like, I think we as a culture, we believe, like, oh, it's got to be something big, right? And it's the basics, right? Stress. Sleep, poor, inadequate sleep. So that could mean not getting enough sleep purposely, not going to bed um, with your circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. That could mean disrupted sleep, right? Waking up a lot in the middle of the night for whatever reason. It could be sleep apnea. You know, th though all, many things cause poor sleep. Um, poor nutrition, mm -hmm. poor food choices, right? GMO foods. I think I read somewhere that they did this small research study on the agricultural farming community and the people that are actually working in the trenches and that the women in those communities tend to have the hi the highest rates of miscarriage. That's wild. Yeah. And when I was in college, this was the big debate we would always have in our food science class. And at the time, it was still very new and there wasn't a lot of research. And so a lot of the times we came to a wash of a question mark of, you know, there's not enough evidence about pesticides mm -hmm. and there's not enough evidence about genetically modified. But if you think about the basic principle of it and you're taking something that's been manipulated and man-made and you're putting it in the body, it's probably not going to have the greatest effect. But then on the other hand, my um, I have a family member who works for, I don't think he works for Monsanto, but he works for a big ag company. And he was saying if everyone ate organic and non-GMO, it's a very, very small portion of farming that supports that and not the whole world. You can't support the whole world. And basically that this was this came about in an order to help food scarcity, food insecurity. And oh, like it solved this problem and it's great and it's a marketing ploy to say something's organic. <laughs> so and that's just, the other big lie. Yeah, and I don't I can't get on board with that train of thought. It's, well, there's enough research now to show you that that's not true. That yeah. uh, farming sustainably, 
right? And farming in a way that re-enriches the soil, re-enriches the earth, re-enriches the oxygen, right? And that we can do far more with organic practices or pesticide-free practices Mm -hmm. than conventionally. And so at first, we didn't have the... uh, the studies to sh- to back this up. Right. Now we do, and I think the proof is in the pudding. You know, when Costco pulls Roundup right out of their store, I didn't know they did that. Oh yes, they did. Wow, Costco pulled Roundup out of their stores, so that's huge, right? And that's usually what it takes someone like that, right? That's huge and is really has an effect on our buying supply in this country and is the one that's really getting it out to the public when they say "Mm, there's enough research there's enough information now for us to feel like uh we don't want to mess with this love it i mean this might be a situation where we look back and it's like asbestos and we're like oh absolutely you know we're gonna look back and be like damn we're already seeing it Right. We're already seeing it. So the things that I think are important, because when I share that, especially with my older generation that, you know, they're really still working on their yards and they're using Roundup. Right. Or they're on the golf course a lot. Is I remind them, like, Mm -hmm. you don't want to bring that contamination into your home. So take your golf shoes off in the garage. Right. Wash all that gear off at the club before you even leave, before you put it in your golf bag, before you walk across your carpet I'm one of those um, fringe people <laughs> from way back in the day. My mother never let us wear our shoes in the house. That's that. I never thought about that. Even that taking that off from those outside environmental exposures. Yeah. Yeah. So same thing with our military guys, right? We try to talk to them about, you know, when you leave a shoot house, like you want to wash everything down, your body included, you need to not bring that gear into your home and contaminate your water supply. Mm-hmm. Lay in bed with your wife, your kids jumping on you at the door, daddy, daddy's home, right? And you're contaminating everyone. So super important. Wow. I think from a consumer standpoint, going back to the organic non-GMO foods, I wish it was more accessible. I personally, I avoid GMOs. Um, and that's not that hard to do when you think about it. If you're eating a really nice, well-balanced diet of whole foods, mostly not the store, but like actually real food. Yeah. Um, and but my thing is with organic produce, I wish that there wasn't this huge gap in price. And to be honest, I'm very, very particular about my meat. It's all sustainably sourced. Good. I have been to the farms where I get my meat. I'm spoiled. Um, we get all of our meat from Left Bank Butchery and their whole animal butchery. And they use King Creek Farm and Braeburn Farm where I have been to both multiple times and seen the cows and got to herd them from pasture to pasture. So and awesome. they live the life and they're all grass fed. And I take my animal products very seriously. When it comes to produce, I am not that good at it and I'll things that I know are being directly sprayed like berries I do try to buy organic and I'll shop the sales um, and have some wiggle room in my diet and be flexible and then um, but when it comes to something like a banana or has a peel then I don't usually go for the organic I'm thinking like this is a way for me to budget and my groceries do you think that that's a realistic approach I do and I think it's really smart and it's makes things more balanced, right? Because when you do have to spend more in other areas, that helps. Um, I love EWG, the Environmental Working Group's website, and they always print and publish the latest and greatest of the clean and the dirty list. Oh, yes, I've Mm -hmm. read that. Mm -hmm. So that's a great tool, free online. Go to ewg.org and you can find out all kinds of great information regarding environmental issues and toxins and so forth. And I do think, you know, having a peel on it is is good. We keep the thing that people forget to do is to still wash that fruit or that vegetable. Like you, So even if I'm eating something where I'm not intending on eating the peel before I even cut it open, wash still it. wash it. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think just being a wise shopper, but it... You know, this trickles back down to like the basics, right? You got to get in the kitchen. You got to buy your own food and it's got to be unpackaged. And you have to do that consistently 
And then you learn, like, I know where to go for, you know, three different things. And then where I go do the bulk of my shopping and then where I go get my fill in. So my kind of, um, my, my pattern kind of looks like I do a big Costco run and I get organic frozen vegetables and berries there to always keep in my refrigerator, my freezer. I buy organic produce in their refrigerator section. Um, I will get, we have chickens. Um, so I try to use our own chickens for eggs. That's awesome. Yeah, we love our chickens. And um, they have organic coconut oil. They have avocado oil. I buy my hemp seeds there. They have organic chia seeds there. Um, they have ghee now. It's honestly <laughs> the way, if you can, I know when you go into Costco and you get a haul, it's like, whoa, this is a lot of money. But if you look at the price per unit and like how much you're actually going to use and it lasts forever on those big items like hemp seeds, like I still have my hemp seed bag from, yeah. you know, a long time ago. So I think it's worth it if you can be smart about how you purchase things, it'll make it a little more accessible. I, I think. totally agree. And there's an awesome farm that's local um, in the northern part of our county called Dawn Breaker Farms. So he is using this model with his animals where they're all foraged. So that's like, that's the ticket right there. That's where he's really changing our environment with the way he's farming. And if you follow him, he talks about like how easy this is. And it's a big myth that um, this is not sustainable and that this yeah. doesn't make a difference and that large conglomer conglomerations can't do this because they can. And that's how pigs and things, they're foragers, right? So you're just letting them be animals and do what they do. Um, when at Doc over at Brayburn Farms, we've had him on for a podcast and I would love to have him on for another. He's fascinating. But he said, you use all the stuff in farming to get rid of like all kinds of stuff. But when you stop using it, sure, it might be a little wonky for a minute, but everything in the ecosystem balances out and it has a purpose. And he was talking about dung beetles, I guess, and the purpose. Yeah. And, and it was fascinating to listen to him because I was like, whoa, what a novel idea if we let the planet and the ecosystem do what it's supposed to do. And we're just there as a nurturer for the environment instead of trying to manipulate it. It's it's beautiful. And it will allow for the other things that have to go on, mm -hmm. right, to not be so as detrimental as they are, right? We're not going to stop flying planes. We're not going to stop driving cars, right? We're not going to stop doing this stuff. But if we can balance out the other piece, then it provides more support and infrastructure for those things to be going on and to not be, you know, as big of a detriment to our environment. So, again that word, right? Balance. Like mm -hmm. where's the scale and where is it tipping and where should it be? And it's all related. Um, so. And I think, you know, my last thing I want to really want to say on this is uh, start slow. If you're someone who's not, who's just kind of buying whatever and hasn't really thought about GMOs or organic or environmentally sustainable food, don't try to just jump in. I still am just kind of working on my own balance because I'm being realistic about budget and time and everything else, just start baby steps. Like you don't have to go to go to a $500 Costco haul and dump your pantry. Like just baby steps, maybe every month switch to something else, try something else. Absolutely. And it's taken me years um, to get to where I am, right? And my house is fully integrated now, but that has taken years and it's been fun because it's been really a whole lifestyle shift. And I think following, you know, like you online, following Carolina Total Wellness on our Instagram page, that's the page I use when I'm out and about and I find something really awesome. And I want the public to know about it. I wanted to know, like, look at what this place is carrying now for this price. This is awesome. And to know, like, okay, it's been vetted. Because I see a lot of people following advice out there and it's bad advice and they're spending their hard-earned money and then they get frustrated and then they throw their hands up in the air and then they quit. And that's the other thing I see when people try and go like all in at once. Like, oh, my gosh, I just spent all this money on all this stuff. It's definitely cheaper to eat out. Right. So we can do more damage than good <laughs> by, you know, trying to. I think that's a good 
I, a good protocol for almost everything in life. Don't totally change and dive right in with like whatever it is, your physical activity, your lifestyle, just baby steps. Yeah. Yeah. Dip Unless toe in the water. you're coming to me, you have stage four cancer. Yeah. We need to make some major changes right. immediately. Right. <laughs> right. But no, lifestyle shift and we're just trying to optimize and upgrade what we're doing. It's going to be much more sustainable yeah. in the long run, which I think is really the goal. Should and be the goal. Longevity of your health. And building a strong foundation. Mm-hmm. Right. Building and building that foundation so that it's rock solid. I love it. Yeah. The other thing that um, I had on our list here for that it can affect negatively um, plastic. Oh, so like BPA. Just drinking out of a water bottle. Wait, what kind of water bottle? As I sit here with my giant stainless steel You got a good one. So you got a good, good one. Yeah. Okay. How many people do you know, do you see daily drinking out of just plastic water bottles, right, that have been sitting in a container, a large shipping container? God knows what the heat level index has been in there. Because that's what I heard is really dangerous is when you it's heated plastic and it's like letting everything yeah. off into the liquid. Absolutely. So that's, we call those endocrine disruptors. Mm. So plastic is huge. You know, if you're still drinking out of plastic, I don't care if they say it's BPA free. I was going to say, what about that? Because every, like all the Glade, you know, Tupperware say BPA free. I say slowly but surely replace everything to like those little metal uh, lunch little tins you can buy on Amazon. Costco always has awesome glass. Uh, con- um, like packs. Of- I switched to glass mm-hmm. recently. Those are great. I and really they like last it. Longer. Um, it's got a plastic, you know, lid, mm-hmm. but it really doesn't come in contact with my food, and I never heat it up. So I really like the glass. I got a really good deal on them at Target. If you, someone you wants to switch, you can find them everywhere. Yeah, I'm, you said Costco. Yeah. So what about when you're drinking out of metal glasses? Is there any type of exposure risk, I guess, associated with that? Yeah, and it depends on the metal, right? And if you're okay. carrying, have a metal around in your body. You don't want to be eating fish with meta- that has a lot of mercury. You don't want to be drinking out of a lot of metal. Mm-hmm. Glass is the way to go, I feel like. And then, you know, depending on where you're at, right, then you can start to change some things. I was going to say, I think if you're, a, if you're a healthy person and you've got some balance, it's like there's little things that your system is going to be able to handle. I think it's when you've got a lot of like sounds like me it's like a lot going on so I probably should be mindful about everything right now absolutely and we call that like the toxic load the burden Mm -hmm. right some people can handle um, a certain amount other people it's like you put that one last piece of trash in the trash can and everything comes flying out that was my theory I was talking about with a friend as I was fine. I had like an iron stomach. I was never <laughs> sick. Like I was fine. And then I hit something last year around 28. And I was like, I wonder if I just like reached my limit. Like I've just taxed the system and all the fried chicken I would eat after swim practice and the boxes of Kraft Mac and cheese have caught up with me and it's done. My body's like, nope, you met your quota. You met your quota. <laughs> That's right. And then, you know, so then that makes you think about what system in the body needs maybe some extra TLC, like the liver right? And what's going on. But we're going to find all that out pretty soon. I know. I'm going to pull up our next question. So another question we got was, if you're someone that's on hormonal birth control or you have a hormonal IUD, what are some signs that your body is disagreeing with the dosage you're on or the synthetic hormones in general? So, you know, the basics, right? Weight gain, or Everyone weight loss. says that it's really common with birth control and not to worry about it. But that, to, so you're saying that's a no go. That is a sign your body is rejecting it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like that quote we have, like it's the big lie, right? Right. Right. I'm supposed to be taking this and it's supposed to be good for me and making my life better, but I just gained 25 pounds with it. The doctor's like, it's fine. You're just retaining water. It'll, yeah. it'll stop. It's not, it's just not the water, right? Um, increased acne which people say they take it for, mm-hmm. then they start getting it. Cystic acne, right? Hair loss. Okay, while you're on the pill. While you're on the pill. It can happen either or, mm-hmm. right? It's a byproduct of also being on it. So a lot of the things that we talk about that it wreaks havoc on, it kind of makes sense that on the flip side, when we're trying to clear the body of it, some of those same symptoms are going to be there, right? Uh, sleep, poor sleep, it can mm-hmm. affect your sleep. 
Um, belly bulge. Ooh. Right. Which, which is what we don't want because there's don't a lot of bad health outcomes associated with that. Right. And that's generally high cortisol. Right. And it's kind of like that ripple effect. Well, if I'm taking this birth control pill and it's supposed to be helping me, but it's making me more stressed out because now like I'm more moody, I'm gaining weight, I have acne, right? My hair is getting brittle and it's... You're not going to feel confident and happy. Right. How do you think your sleep's going to start mm-hmm. to be affected, right? So then the cortisol gets affected. It's like just the ripple effect of... And that's going to disaster. That cortisol is going to trigger that kind of inflammation mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. And you know, cortisol is not bad, right? Right, but um, too high of cortisol at the wrong time is definitely inflammatory. So fatigue, right? Low libido, um, and then we already talked about kind of the way that birth control affects the brain. Right. So once you start messing with the brain's natural ability to do what it needs to do, then you start blocking endorphins and you're happy. So I'm saying endorphins are what we want. Endorphins make us happy. Elle Woods taught me that. I'm legally blonde. So, you know, more reasons why the pill is not for you. Yeah. And I I think that it's becoming more common. I was like really shocked and happy at the women I talked to that were like, I'm going through this or I'm thinking about transitioning off of the pill. And um, that was really cool to hear. And hopefully that they can get something from this and some resources and it's an easier transition than it was for me. But uh, like, what are some things or are there, I guess, best practices or things you can do maybe to prep your body or during the transition coming off of it? What can you do to help? So it was great because when I read um, some of our questions that were sent in, I saw a lot of them just made me giggle because um, I deal with it all the time and I deal with, I dealt with this myself, Mm -hmm. right? And um, we, we don't, (laughs) we don't mess around, right? We don't want to keep something in you that's creating this much harm. Mm -hmm. So we just say like, stop. Okay. Right. Stop. I was told like yank that IUD out. Yeah. (laughs) Right. That's what and that's what I did. And I was like, man, maybe I should have researched a little more and tried some things or like waited to prep my body. But at the end of the day, I had reached a limit of doing my research and reading. And I was like pulling the plug and I started doing um, fertility tracking. And I was like, this is I'm going to just figure this out. I I love it. I love it. And I think that is a great approach. Like, let's stop the bleeding. Right. Let's do what we know that's creating the problem. So let's get rid of this source and then let's get into action. Mm-hmm. Right. So what is I've heard of people talk about seed cycling. Mm-hmm. What is that? So it was funny because when I read that, I was like, what is this? I, I didn't know. And then when I looked it up, I was like, oh, we do this every day with people. We just don't call it seed cycling. So they're using from what I read online is they were using particular seeds, which we use, which we know help push kind of estrogen out of the body um, at certain times of the month. We oh. don't tell our patients to do that. Uh, A, it sounds like just one more thing for them to keep up with that they probably won't be compliant with. Mm-hmm. And we just come from the approach of we know these are good for women's health. We know these will help push estrogen down the right pathways, you should be eating more of these day-to-day in your nutritional diet. Okay, so it actually has to do with seeds. Yes. I'm like, is this like a term for... Sorry, sorry. I was like, is this a term for (laughs) I'm going to wean myself off the pill and I'm going to do like a pill every other day? And I was like, what is this about? seeds, flax seeds, pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds, sesame seeds. And we also, we don't call it seed cycling, but we refer to this as a protocol that they will start to implement. So we also add in like rosemary, right, and um, broccoli sprouts. Because these things will help push the estrogen out. Wow. So instead of this complicated cycling, you're saying just start to add these things into your diet as a way to help your body naturally start pushing out all that synthetic estrogen you've Yes, got. crowd it out, right? And broccoli sprouts, there's a lot of research um, they have those at just the grocery store now. Yeah, I put them, them on anywhere. my avocado toast. They're delicious. They're but I didn't know. so good and they're so good for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a quarter cup, 
to half a cup a day. Okay. So you could, you know, put some on some eggs when you cook them in the morning or put some on some avocado toast or add it in a salad, put it in a smoothie. Oh, yeah. Super easy ways to get them in. There's a local farmer who delivers to uh, my girlfriend's restaurant in Durham, Blue Corn, um, and he delivers them fresh broccoli sprouts. He does a beautiful job. I'll have to find the name for you so you can start using them. And uh, super easy. Things you can just do in your own kitchen, right, to help yourself. And you could use the seeds. You could also use like flax oil, right? You just want it to be a high quality. You want to make sure it's not mixed with any other oils, Mm -hmm. junk oils, things like that. Um, In terms of, uh, oh, and did I say pumpkin seeds? Pepitas? Okay. I love pumpkin seeds. I so which, list, list me those one more time. So flax, okay. pumpkin, sunflower, sesame, broccoli sprouts. Super That's great. Awesome. Rosemary. Okay. Why rosemary? Just, it does it the has, same thing. Mm-hmm, it's just like an herb mm-hmm, that does. Has. And okay. Herbs are an underutilized powerhouse. Like herbs are medicine. Mm-hmm. And we've gotten so used to in this country, I think, so many dried herbs, which there's nothing wrong with dried herbs, right? Yeah. But they're not going to be as potent as when you just and herbs are like weeds you can plant them anywhere they're gonna grow go out there clip them and then just start mixing them to me is so much better they make especially when you're transitioning your diet yeah we put them on the meal plan a lot and everyone's like i don't want to chop i'm like just do it you'll thank me later with the fresh herbs you really could just like pull the leaves off and throw them on there you don't even need to chop them no and the other thing that i do which saves me a lot of time on the back on the back end is I'll go out and I'll clip a bunch of my fresh herbs. I'll rinse them. I'll strip them. Mm-hmm. And then I'll throw them in my blender. Ooh, just like... And I rough chop them. Or you could do it in a food processor. Try to mix it up. Rough chop it up. Make your own blend. And then I put them in a large metal bowl and I just keep them on my countertop. They're drying out naturally, but they're right there. So when I'm cooking eggs or when I'm making meatballs or when I'm cooking a piece of fish, I can bread it in herb crust all these great ways just easily get it in that is awesome i love that idea yeah let's see so we talked about some good recommended protocols and we've talked about kind of the birth control and how that affects the body but one of the other questions that was brought up is for someone who is a really intense female athlete or someone who's really active how is that going to affect your hormones So I loved reading this question because it made me just think about um, my own body when I was young and in high school, played soccer, ran cross country, uh, probably didn't eat enough, right? Because that's what we did. I lived on Diet Coke and, you know, junk. Sugar-free Red Bulls. That was my jam. Yeah. So I was thinking about like how everyone who played a sport who was a female – always complained about either uh, their period, their menstruation being like unbearable or missing it or, you know, and it's because we push the body beyond its limits day to day, Mm -hmm. the imbalance, right? Um, I think it's super important that if you're going to live the life of an athlete, then you need to treat your body as an athlete would treat their body. I'm talking about like high level performance, right? And they're doing things like nutrition's on point, right? They have a nutritionist like you in their back pocket. They have a health coach in their back pocket. Their sleep is protected, right? They're not overtraining. Elijah and I always talk about how we don't understand um, people who run marathons, like I've run a half, I did a half marathon and a marathon for my 40th birthday. I did the Marine Corps marathon. That's awesome. It was insane. Loved it, but not doing that again. Same. Um, <laughs> like this is bucket list, check, and we're done. It was awesome though. I highly encourage people to do the Marine Corps marathon. So much fun. Um, but when we trained, you know, I didn't know anything about training for a marathon. And I'm like, okay, so I need to, I would like pull up these training schedules. And he was like, we're not doing that, Clarissa. And I'm like, why? It says do this, right? He's like, do you think that a boxer before he goes, you know, into the ring for his huge match, he prepares by allowing someone to just pound him in the face the whole time? 
right? And it made so much sense to me. I was like, no. He's like, then why would we do that to prepare for basically, you know, pounding our joints into the pavement, right? So we run for X amount. We do some yoga and mobility for X amount. We do rest, you know, all these things so that on the day of, we actually come with peak performance. And I think that's the big piece that a lot of people miss it's like if I don't burn it down and grind it down all the time in preparation, then I'm not I'm not going to win. Yeah, you're not going to win because you're going to be so burnt out. I'm exhausted <laughs> right? and probably underfueled. Yeah. Yeah. So I think if you're an athlete, um, really taking your lifestyle interventions super seriously are super important. Knowing, I think testing for athletes is super important. So what testing would you recommend for So I would athletes? do baseline things. I would do D. I would do iron, right? I would recommend they talk to their doctor um, about intestinal permeability, mm-hmm. right? Because we know that extreme um, function athletically all over and over and over can increase. Endurance athletes, I think, are at a high risk of that. They are. So knowing and constantly gauging, like, how am I hold? Am I holding strong is super important. I think looking at micro deficiencies and making sure, like, all of those pieces to the puzzle are the numbers are in alignment. And it is. I mean, it's a lot to keep up with when you're an athlete. But most athletes at that level, they recognize, like, this is part of the game, mm-hmm. right? This is what's going to help me perform my best or hopefully outperform maybe the guy that's even better than me. It's going to give you, I think, a competitive edge yeah. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you were looking at some of your resources. Um, what do you feel like people are missing? As far as female athletes, mm-hmm. I think the most common thing I see is being underfueled. And a lot of the times when we have you know, people on the nutrition plan that are coming to start, They're like, I decided I'm going to do this. And I'm like, I don't think you should. Or they're like, my goal is to lose weight and I'm not losing weight and I'm holding on to weight. I've actually gained a little weight. What do I do? And I'm like, "Ah, this is to me a sign. I know it's counterintuitive that you are underfueled for your activity and what your life and your demands, you know, what you need. So a lot of the times um, they're under eating calories and carbs. And I'm like, let's pay attention to these things. And then they will actually start to have some of that inflammation and weight loss and everything that they've been holding on to go away. So they're reaching, even though I don't think goal for a lot of people needs to be weight loss, it should be a healthy weight and performance and longevity. They'll, their mindset also shifts too. They're like, okay, food is fuel. And these are the things that are important. And I'll get to my goals as a secondary of taking care of my body. So that to me, I think is the biggest thing I see. And when it comes to female athletes who have the long-term energy deficit, they're at risk for the female athlete triad. And I didn't see this as much when I was a competitive swimmer and I was younger, but I saw it a lot at the collegiate level. And I think it was a little alarming. They did try to put things in place to prevent it. If someone was diagnosed, they would hold them off and not let them compete until they were healthy again. But girls would try to cover it up all the time because they knew that they would be taken out of games and they wouldn't be able to do what they were supposed to do, even though they knew that this was something that was bad for them. The sports and the competitiveness, I think, kind of took over. But it's um, there's disordered eating and it's long-term energy um working in a long-term energy deficit and you would see menstrual dysfunction, um, like disruption of those reproductive hormones, reduced bone strength. And those can all be extremely dangerous. Like you can break bones and have really serious imbalances. So it's something that you need to pay attention to. And if this is something that you're experiencing and you're like, oh, it's just because I'm have really lean body fat or it'll, it'll get over after my marathon. And I like, no, something is wrong, right? This is what we're trying to tell you is that your body is giving you signs and you need to listen because these are basic things your body should be doing. And something, this this is consider this, the stop sign, the flashing red lights or whatever you need to go, you know, seek some help to get with that, like get over that. Yeah, that's great. And I think it's like, Again, like keeping it really simple. If I'm doing X, Y, and Z and it's supposed to be considered 
good for my health, right? And good for my brain, good for my body, good for my bones, good for my muscles. Yet the other side of that are all these negative effects. What I'm doing in my model somewhere is broken and I need to go back, figure out where it is, right? And repair it, Mm -hmm. right? We're not saying don't exercise. We're not saying don't compete, right? We're saying do it in a way that actually creates the outcome of why you're doing it, not create, put you in a position where you can't do what you love to do. Right. That's the piece that I always like people, because I think, like you said, they're so in it. Once they step back and they have a little bit of clarity, they don't, they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even really realize I was caught in this trap. Yeah. Because, but I mean, to be like in your twenties and at risk for osteoporosis, like not good. And once you reach a certain point, you've got what you've got. Well, and then you start talking about hormones, mm-hmm. right? And something else that gets robbed from the body, right? Yeah, it's it's real. It is real and you can't outrun it, mm-hmm. right? So I think it's an important conversation. And I think it's important for young women to hear this conversation because it's still going on. You know, it is still going on, and I think little bit by little bit, it's getting better. I think at a really high, high level, it's not going on because their focus is on, like, winning at any cost, and any cost means I'm going to protect my sleep. So you think that at the top, like, we're talking, like, your job is to be an athlete. You train at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado. You are probably you're doing everything. You've got right. everything there, yeah. So you're kind of set up for. You're success. doing massage therapy. You're doing yeah. acupuncture. You're meditating. Your sleep is protected. You're like in this bubble. And then I think the people that are probably moderate or recreational athletes are like, well, to get there, I have Correct. to burn it down, and this is part of it. And it's like, no, that's not what they're doing. It's actually not. I used to tell when I would teach young people um, workshops and stuff. I'm like, do you really think? That Michael Jordan is drinking that Gatorade, right? (laughs) That he's getting $5 million probably, right, to be promoting. That's a whole nother story. But no, he's not drinking that crap. It's also, to me, um, I think it's funny everyone dogs on Tom Brady. But if you look at some of the stuff he does and his practices of what he values that's important to him, I'm like, I mean, it's kind of impressive that he is as old as he is in the sport of football performing the way he is. Because he's doing all the things we we're just talking about. Yeah, he's protecting, not. Yeah. He's protecting his game. He's protecting his also bank account because mm-hmm. he's got to perform and he's got to show up to work. Right. I think it's a lot of pressure on athletes and your moneymaker for a lot of them is their body. But maybe when they get to a certain level and hopefully that's why they're making an effort to protect it. It's like an insurance policy. Absolutely. And I think it can be negative, right? There's always good and bad, black and white, blah, blah, blah. Right. But I think, um, if you're doing it in a way that is creating this awareness and this mindfulness of this body's really important and I really want to take the best possible care of it because, um, I need it. Mm-hmm. And it's also a tool that I use to live my life, right, at the highest level. I think that's a beautiful practice. As morbid as it sounds, I'm watching family members and people around me age. And I'm like, it makes me really want to be vigilant that I have a really nice quality of life as I age. You know, I don't want to be uh, like some of these people who are, you know, chair bound to me, young or, you know, things like that. I I know that obviously things happen, but I think that there's a lot I can do to make sure that I'm moving and my body's working even when I'm hopefully well into my 80s and still sassy and spunky. I don't know. I totally agree. And I think that what people need to hear is even if you're in that position at 50, 45, 48, 60 and you're not mobile. You can get mobile. Right. You can get better. You can reverse this. You're not going to be 18 again, right? Mm-hmm. Most people don't want to be anyway. But you can definitely become more mobile, more happy, have more joy in your life, be free, right? A lot of these people are not free. They're tied to their illness. They're tied to their lack of mobility. And they can reverse that. They just have to want it. Right. 
that's the key is you got to want it. And then you start digging and finding the research, finding the resources, finding little ways, little hacks on how to step by step start to turn back the clock. And so I was um, thinking about DHEA in the body. And they say that like by the time we're like 22, 23, we start to make less and less of it. And that's like the anti-aging hormone piece, right? So um, supplementing if needed after good tests are run with DHEA by a good doctor and then monitoring, right, how all this is going can be really great. But also like continuing to do the things so that your body can help naturally drop its own hormones and keep making right its own hormone for your own hormonal health is super important like pre and probiotics Mm -hmm. right we want to get in that gut and make it really diverse and really happy and have lots of good guys in there right the bad guys need to be in there but the good guys need to be in there to defend them outnumber them yeah but it's all about a balance it's all about a balance and all about everyone's guts different too right So one of the things as I was reading more, um, researching some of these questions we got was about menstrual dysfunction and what does that look like and when should I be worried? And if you think about it there, I feel like I've always been taught there's a window and if your cycle is this or that, it's normal. What is normal or how do you figure it out? I don't know what normal is, right? Because we're all different. So it's okay this is, if you've it's got okay. some differences. And this is where I think we got in the problem, right? Something's wrong with me. I'm broken. This is abnormal. The doctor says, here, take this pill. It's going to fix it. Yeah. Right? This birth control. This is what you need. And that's the worst thing we can do, right? But this is also, and I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole in this one, This is also a byproduct of a field that's been dominated by men, right, who have no idea what it feels like to have a menstrual cycle. They they just, there's no way they could understand that. But they're trying through good intention, right, to tell me what I should or shouldn't be doing for my menstrual cycle and what's normal and what's not normal. Right. Right. And I'm the idiot that listened. Right. I raised my hand. I am the idiot that listens. You're my doctor. You should know. Blah, blah, blah. Right. He says to do it. OK, I'm going to do it. Right. And so if you've been there, no judgment, because I've been there. I did the same thing based on the dogma that I was fed. But now is the time. Right. To empower yourself, take back your own health and try when it comes to certain issues, I think it is helpful to have for me a female physician. Right. That identification, not having to try and explain something to someone who will have no clue what I'm talking about because they haven't lived it. Mm-hmm. Right. So they I wish in- the men of the world could have to go through just like one cycle, like a whole month and see have what a baby. It's like, the ebb and flow. I would like them to be able to <laughs> carry a child and see uh. what your body feels like and your breasts and your arms and your brain. And, <laughs> right. Like your swollen feet, like all these things that at some point in your pregnancy, no matter how healthy you are are going to happen. They're normal. Right. Right. It's okay. It's a part of it. Same thing with our menstrual cycle. I think the biggest game changer for me was tracking my cycle. And I highly, I recommend everyone do this, whether you're on the pill or you're not, or whatever your form of birth control, your wherever your life is, I guess. I think that was really helpful because I knew what I now know what my normal is and like my body's still adjusting, but it helps me to see kind of how I don't know it's a little problem solving to me it's like a puzzle absolutely I think it's really smart and especially if you're working with the doctor you can hand them over your own data and then I think in the future as things normalize it would be a really quick indicator to me if something is off because I'm be like whoa this isn't matching my baseline my normal schedule or off could also be something's changing shifting because your body's just going through a different change but being able to determine what in that change is more normal and what in it might be responding to another source of inflammation or stress or something, mm-hmm. right, being offline in the body. So what testing can you do for these hormonal profiles if you suspect something's wrong or you're someone who's transitioning, you know, from 
off the pill, for example. So what Dr. Meredith at Carolina Total Wellness uses is the Dutch Plus. Okay, I've heard of the Dutch yeah, Plus. It's yeah, it's awesome. It's such a great test. I just did a Dutch Plus on myself um, yesterday. It's in my car. I got to ship it off today. Um, and it's a simple, easy test. You do it uh, for one whole day. And part of it is urine. Part of it is saliva. And this test comes back and gives the doc so many great readings on what's going on in your body. The other thing to think about is, yes, the testing is super important for baseline things and to see kind of where you're at. Mm -hmm. But also, like we were saying, listening to your body and knowing when things are shifting or "Mm, this just doesn't feel right or like don't live and die by one test. Instead, use it as to help with the puzzle. Yep. Yep. And so why I did it recently is when I first took my IUD out, um, like first took it out, I did one. And now, no, that's not true. Before I took my IUD out, I did one. And now it's been over a year and a half, two years. And I could have done it sooner, but I just, I didn't. Um, And so now I'm really curious to see what's changed, what's different. So those tests take, they're a little, those functional labs take a little bit longer to get back. So probably be like three weeks. And, um, I'm super, super excited. And like I said, you just do certain types of collections. There's like a upon waking, you yeah, take. You, did, you have to time it, right? You've got to time it like upon waking, and then it's 30 minutes after. Then I think it's like 60 minutes after. Then you go into the afternoon between 4 and 5 p.m., and then an evening one between 10 p.m. and midnight. It's so crazy how everything changes and shifts just throughout the day. Yeah. The body blows my mind. It does. And it's supposed to be doing different things, right? And communicating with itself throughout the day. We don't want cortisol really, really low in the morning, so you can't get out of bed. But we don't also want cortisol really, really high at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, midnight. We want kind of a nice little peak mid, you know, in the mid, keeping us going. And then we want to slowly be coming up and slowly dropping in and... You know, that's where circadian rhythm and sleep patterns and um, eating good fat, protein, fiber, right, steadily throughout the day also helps your hormones, mm-hmm. right? Those amino acids and all, all the fiber to help pull any toxins, any extra things that aren't supposed yeah. to be in there out. That was the biggest thing when I was, you know, reading about transitioning upright control was how to get the synthetic hormones out of your body. And a lot of it, there's not this like magic pill because we all want one, right? Like Jesus, there's not. It's eat a lot of fiber, drink a lot of water. The body will naturally get it out. It'll get it out. Right, right. Baby the liver, nurture the liver, right? I love uh, sauna. I love dry skin brushing, mobilize everything, open up those cells, get it out. And then you use the food help as a carrier. Are there supplements or anything that you would recommend for someone coming off of birth control? Or what's your opinion on that? Not really. I don't really have one because I feel like um, you don't know until you kind of look at some of the levels. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's where I think a lot of people spend money that they don't need to be spending because they don't know what they really need because they don't have the labs to show it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you can do a lot with food. You can do a lot with lifestyle intervention. You can do a lot with meditation and with sleep and then get tested. They're so, all- yeah, you would recommend kind of starting with these like easy things, then go get tested and see what you need supplementing Absolutely. For. And I really like doing it that way, too, because it gives you a day-to-day baseline of, hey, is what I'm doing day-to-day enough? Mm-hmm. Right. Because then it gives you it's like you don't have to change this. You might not need to change some things. And then you can focus on the small little things that maybe you should be changing Mm -hmm. rather than being like, oh, I've got to change everything. Well, maybe not. Maybe your body is really responding well to these new lifestyle interventions you're doing. Yeah. Random question for you that I had. Is there a connection between these sex hormones and everything that's going on in the hormonal birth control and the thyroid? Oh, absolutely. And I was just going to bring that up. We were talking about something else and I was like, thyroid, thyroid, thyroid. (laughs) Um, Yes, absolutely. They're all interconnected. 
Okay. Right. It's all connected in the pituitary. And it's so this is the other piece, right? You start to have your thyroid, your hormones, your sex hormones get out of whack. Mm -hmm. And then it's going to affect your thyroid. Disaster. Disaster. This is what I suspect. This is what I suspect off of just my very limited knowledge of functional medicine. I suspect is happening to me. So the good news is it's all connected. Mm -hmm. When you start fixing one thing, it's going to positively impact the other things, right? And so you're doing, in doing just like the upfront work, you're really attacking the whole system. Mm -hmm. So I love that about functional medicine, not like in conventional medicine, like here, take this pill for this. And it's isolated. It's just for that. And it's not giving downstream anything else. Yeah, because I don't think you're fixing the root of the problem. Obviously, there's some conditions that you, you can't. Um, you know, I'm not saying all prescriptions are bad that's or something. Right. But, you know, I think that that's what originally I why I kind of took a step back from my MD and the traditional approach and was like, I want to get, I want to take the time to get to the root cause and do it the right way because it's worth it. Well, and like I said before, I love what you're doing because you're kind of like stop the bleeding, right? Started to do some things that you know are not going to harm you more, mm-hmm. right? They're going to be helpful. Have a nice clean baseline. And now let's go in and see, okay, what's working, what's not, what can we tweak, what can we modify, how can we optimize what you're doing? Right. And that's just such, it's so much more digestible that way. For someone who's experiencing the hormonal imbalances, male or female, when you start to make these lifestyle changes and put in the work, is there a time frame? I mean, I'm assuming this probably takes a while. Like you need to, this isn't going to be a probably like even a month you need to be consistent and really patient but is there usually like a window I guess of how long it takes so a lot of times we see like 12 18 24 months okay so I'm in this for the long haul yeah yeah it takes the body a while to recover and we want it to be nice and slow and steady and strong and you know you don't want to hit everything like we were saying just wham Mm -hmm. right because that can cause a negative effect on the body too. And so I know that what I see generally, I mean, if people have the lifestyle practices in place too, right? And it all goes together. You can be eating all the the best nutrition in the world, but if you're not sleeping and you're not managing stress and you're not eliminating daily, it's going to slow down your progress, mm-hmm. right? And so everyone's different. It also depends on like how far down the scale you are when you get started, right? Some people kind of catch it, right? Kind of in the middle. And so they recover a little quicker. Age, right, is going to determine how quickly you recover. Um, How damaged your mitochondria is, you know, that's the energy in our cells. I'm assuming if you're younger, so there much easier be to, an easier rebound. Okay. I always love seeing <laughs> Dr. Meredith and I both like when they're the younger the patient, they just they're like, okay, I'm better. I'm hoping I fit into this category. <laughs> you I feel do. like I'm gonna I'm really excited because our initial appointment is Monday. Oh, um, it's this Monday? Coming Monday, yep. Whoop, whoop. And one of the things that I immediately was like, Well, this is different, is it was like a two hour appointment. I was like, uh, I feel like every time you think the fucking doctor's office is on fire, the way an MD's in and out of there, right? So I was like, oh, wow. That's so funny. I, <laughs> it is. People are like, two hours. What are we going to do? We're like, we're going to get to know each other, right? We're going to capture your history, right? And not just yours, but we go back kind of like, what? what's your family history, mm-hmm. right? And... um we start from the beginning, the very, very beginning. And um, Fran, Dr. Meredith, she's such a great doctor and she just geeks out and she loves what she does so much. She just gets caught in like the intake. She loves it. I'm like knocking on the door. Can I come in now? <laughs> <laughs> we have so much fun with our patients and our patients all say for the most part the same thing. Like, wow, I've never had so much attention in my yeah. medical care. Even the intake forms were so thorough. Um, that it was just kind of refreshing. And I could see, I was like, all right, I see where they're really trying to get a big picture and start doing the whole 
whole body kind of puzzle at all because it all is very much interconnected. It is. It is. And we don't want um, to waste any time missing something that could have been the trigger mm-hmm. to the whole piece opening up, right? right? Which is what we're looking for. What started all of this? And right? some of the stuff I think I didn't even think of. I love that there is so much about nutrition and lifestyle. It's like, this is already making me feel so much yeah. better. Um, and then a lot of mindfulness and stress management, which I like was really poorly on the, all of those, but I am committed to working that at that. I need, I really need to. Part of my personality is just very high stress, anxious, go, go, go. I'm a very determined once I get something in my mind or a goal professionally, I don't stop mm. till I get it. And I think that that attitude can be a little draining. So I need to work on some balance. It can, but you know, that's one of your gifts, right? We don't yeah. want to change that, so to speak. We just want to insulate it. We want to support it. And we want to make that continue to work for you instead of against you. My theory is, as people, our biggest strengths can also be our weaknesses if we don't understand them. So I'm trying to really understand them. It takes time. And it's always at that moment something that you're doing something else <laughs> that I see, like that moment of clarity. You're like, oh, that's what this was about. And it has nothing to do with, right? It's like this the aha that, moment, the aha, that epiphany, it. that moment of clarity. And then things start falling into place. And the more that we can calm down the inflammation in our body, the more that we can take a step back and really look at the big picture, the more, the closer we get to that aha to that mm-hmm. moment of clarity. And then the piece that I love about all of it is then you get to go share it with someone because people start to see it. They're like, you're different or your skin looks great or you have more energy or you're just, you feel different. What are you doing? And I wish people talked about it more. Um, and I really hope that, you know, even if one person listening, it sparks conversation with someone else and it just keep passing it along because the more conversations we have and we, the more supportive we are of each other mm. as humans occupying this planet together, I think that, you know, it can be really powerful just to have someone to listen and understand and that this is not normal. We are busting the big lie that this, these imbalances and these stressors and these things, um, there is a way to like make it all work and really feel good. So true. So true. And I love how you brought up like talk to someone, right? Start the dialogue. Just start talking about it. Start doing some research. Do whatever it takes, right? And it brings back to that point that I was sharing last time, like I believe connection is the cure to everything, Mm -hmm. right? It's It's the starting point to everything busting wide open a very positive, transformative way. And it doesn't have to be like me and you sitting in a room and staring at each other's eyes for an hour to connect, right? right? It could be I'm walking through a door and I actually hold it and don't let you just walk through, but actually make eye contact with you and actually mean Mm -hmm. like, hello, right? Have a great day. Meaningful connection. Meaningful connection that can happen in two seconds, right? You don't have to even know the person. I think sometimes good conversation is better than sex. Absolutely. All lie. women would say that. And all oh, men. I, do I sound like a stereotypical <laughs> woman right now? I, no, I do enjoy both. I, I enjoy but both I'm too. I'm just saying, but... I think a really good conversation is is really important and we need it as, as humans. And what my husband would say is yes, and then it makes the sex better. Well, exactly. <laughs> also a very valid point. And I think that talking about health and, and different things shouldn't be as taboo as it is whether it's physical health mental health sexual health talk about it let's talk about it let's have a conversation absolutely and i love love that um, mental health is starting to get more recognition i mean obviously for me since 2009 when we started our nonprofit warrior wellness solutions um that's been you know a big piece for us but over the years and seeing that things you know things are still hard People are still suffering. Like a lot of that comes from the stigma, right? The stigma of I'm not perfect, right? God forbid I have a bad day. God forbid I feel like I have questions about how I've lived my life, right? Um, And we're not encouraged to look. That's the only way I think you can truly change. You have to look at what you've done and analyze, Mm -hmm. right? What's been good about it? What's been bad about it? What could be better? What was awesome? What 
why isn't it okay for it just to be as it was and that's enough, right? The good, the bad, the whatever. Why can't that just be enough? And then we just keep striving to just keep it moving. I think I used to have that perspective of, oh, I shouldn't have bad days or I shouldn't feel that way. And now I embrace it and I sit with it and it's fine if you have a crummy day. It's just a reminder that you're human. You're here. You're breathing. It's a part of life. It is going to pass. Yeah, exactly. Knowing and it's going to come back. Knowing that. It's just <laughs> the ebbs and flows of life. Right. I love this. I always have such good conversation with you. And I'm so, so thankful that we were introduced and you're here. So thank you. I just want to acknowledge you. You're amazing. So I feel the same way. And I always love coming here. And I'm super excited. I didn't realize. I'm sorry. I have had a crazy week that Monday was our day. Oh, no, I'm sure you have tons of busy things to do. I'm so excited. And uh, I'm sure we're going to have to talk about all this and and dive down on that another episode and follow up. Absolutely. And I think the thing for people um, to really take away from this episode so they can get straight into action is the nutritional piece, Mm -hmm. right? Stay away from those GMOs. Get off that conventional pumped full of antibiotic crap meat, Yes. Right. Watch those junk oils, omega threes versus omega sixes. A lot of people don't realize that the omegas in meat and fish and so forth change. They do. From. That's why grass fed is so important. Right. And so spend your money right on those things and also sleep, sleep, sleep. It's funny when people will message me about getting started on the nutrition program And I will absolutely point them into where they need to be. But then I always follow up with, I want you to drink this amount of water. I want you to sleep this amount. And because it makes a huge difference. So it's all connected. Calm it down a little. Don't Mm -hmm. burn it down all the time. Mm -hmm. Give your body a chance to recover and to rest and restore and to actually do what it's supposed to do. And sometimes staying off the scale is the best thing we can do. Right. Like we're losing inches, maybe. But that that number keeps climbing. Right. And that was a huge win for me. Someone actually messaged me yesterday because they would weigh in every day. And I was like, we got to change this. So he was like, I'm only doing it once a week. And I was like, yes, like these are the wins I think that mean more to me than someone's like, I lost 20 pounds. And I'm like, no, to me, I think I get more excited about seeing someone being healthy and whole. That's great. So if someone has questions how should they reach you? So they can email me at cqsin, K-U-S-S-I-N, at carolinatotalwellness.com. They can also send me a message on Facebook um, and on Instagram. And I'll put your email and Instagram stuffs and your name so that people can reach you if they've got questions. Yeah. And as always, you can reach me at uh, brooke at softly.com. I think most people contact me on social media now because that's the day and age we live in. I'm at Brooke West underscore RDN. So let us know if you have any other questions. We're happy to help point you in the right direction if you need an integrative and functional medicine doctor in your area. Um, And you know, we got so many great questions. We did another episode. So I would love if they just keep flowing in and we will give the people what they want. Right on. All right. Well, thank you all. And hopefully we will talk to you soon. Thanks, Brooke. Bye.